Hi everybody, Shalom Aleichem. This guy goes to his uh, boss and he asks for a raise. And he tells the boss, you know, I'm really contributing a lot to the company. I'm doing so much. And there's four companies out there that are are chasing after me. There's four companies that really, really want me. So I need a raise. So the boss says to him, now the company's not doing so well right now. You do contribute a lot, and but I don't want to lose you, so I'm going to add ten percent increase to your salary from now on. Guys, so thankful, thank you very much. And the boss asks him, So which four companies want you? May I ask? So he says American Express, Visa, Gas Company. Sprint wanted. Right now, everyone is in Los Angeles is in lockdown. The announcement just came a few hours ago that you cannot go anywhere. You can't go out of to just do what you want to do. You have to stay home. You're forced to hunker down and just be home. The Torah tells us that everything that happens is for a reason. The Baal Shem Tov says that everything is by divine providence. And you see or hear is a message for you. God's talking to you. Whenever you see something, God's talking to you. And Baal Shem Tov says that if you have a merit and you pray to God, you could figure out what the message is. I don't think we need too much merit to understand something very significant about being locked down. Especially because... We've had a little bit of experience doing this already for almost a week, and not officially a full lockdown, but this um, whole experience began on the 16th day of Adar. 16th day of Adar, two days after Purim, is when the schools started to close, and most shuls started to close, and there's something very significant about the 16th day of Adar. In Jewish history, the 16th day of Adar is the day after the temple was destroyed, the government at that time gave permission for the Jewish people to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Now, I was listening to a talk of the Rebbe about how significant a day it is and how why it was considered a yantiv, a holiday. The 16th day of Adar is so special because we're able to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Why is that, why is that so meaningful? I was talking to a group of guests that had visited him for an extended period of time. They're going home. And the Rebbe said to them, it's good that we're sticking together. It's good that we're here now. We've prayed together. We've had a gatherings together for different purposes. But now we're just staying together just to strengthen each other. And this is connected to the day of the 16th of Adar, the day the walls went around Jerusalem. Jerusalem, in Hebrew, the word Jerusalem comes from the word Yerushalayim, which means complete reverence, complete reverence for God. Jerusalem isn't just a physical location. Jerusalem means to be in a state of reverence, a state of connection to God. Whatever you're doing now, whatever you're busy with, you look at whatever you're doing in a way that's more connected to God than ever before. Everyone, no matter how religious or not religious you are, 
Now's a time when we all feel that the presence of God in our lives in a way that we never felt before. We feel a, we're in, when we wash our hands, we feel in whose hands we're in. And that is something that connects all of us. See, when you're, in a, when you're within a wall, a walled city, there may be all kinds of creatures in that city, all kinds of buildings in that city, all kinds of people and families and animals, and, but they all have something in common. What they have in common is that they're all within that wall. In the same way, the idea of being in the city of Jerusalem means that we're all in the aura, we're all enveloped by this sense of fear of God. We have all different things. Everyone has different things going on in their houses and in their jobs, and, and yet we're all in the same place. We're all connected. When Haman came to Ahasuerus and said he wants to annihilate the Jewish people, he used the words, They have a different religion than everybody else. And they're They're scattered among all nations. They're scattered. They're in different places all over the world, and they're different. They're different, but that's what connects them. That's what makes them together. We're all in different places, but we're all united. That's actually incredibly connected to the name of this week's Torah portion. Many people aren't planning to hear the Torah portion this week. God should send Mashiach right now. It's the time of Geula. But if God forbid Mashiach isn't here by Shabbos, the plan is lockdown. You can't go to the synagogue. You can't hear the Torah. And there's still a message of Torah for this week. And the message of Torah for this week is Vayakal Pekude. In a way, this year the message of the Torah is more significant than any other year. Because every other year, there's a physical way that you do the message for the week. You read the Torah. This year, you can't do it. And if you can't do it physically, that must mean that the spiritual significance of reading the Torah is more highlighted. It's similar to the idea of blowing the shofar. When Shoshana falls out, when Shoshana is on Shabbos, we don't blow the shofar. We can't blow the shofar. The Talmud says... You can't pull the shofar for various reasons. We're afraid people may carry the shofar outside, and therefore no one could blow the shofar. But Hasidus asked the question, hey, it's a big mitzvah. It has such an impact on everyone's life. So how can we be missing this important mitzvah? Now the question is based on a premise. The premise is, I mean, of course, the rules are that the, the sages are able to approve different mitzvot for different reasons. But the premise of the question is, God governs every detail of this world. Everything that happens by divine providence. How could it be that there's a concern in the world that is orchestrated by God that prevents us from doing a mitzvah? And therefore Hasidut tells us, it, the truth is that you're not missing the mitzvah of Shofar when Rosh Hashanah falls out on Shabbat. In some ways, Shabbat itself takes the place. Shabbat itself replaces the Shofar to some extent. And in a similar way, if you're not able to hear the, to hear the Torah reading this Shabbat, that means that the spiritual significance of the Torah reading this week has to be highlighted, has to be, we have to be directly connected to it, because this week we can't do it physically, and therefore we have to, must be that the spiritual significance of it has more, is more highlighted. There is a discussion in Jewish law, if you miss the Torah reading one week, can you repeat the same Torah reading the week after and catch up and do two Torah readings at once? This year it wouldn't work so well, even if we would be able to go to synagogue next week, we still would probably not be able to repeat the Torah portions of this week because you can only repeat one Torah portion, you can't repeat two. This week there's a double Torah portion. You can only repeat a Torah portion in the same book. We're finishing the book this week, so next week we can't repeat the Torah portions of this week, and yet so we, we still have a parasha, we still have something to do this week. And what do we have to do? Incredibly. 
The name of this week's Torah portion, think about it. The name of this week's Torah portion is Vayakel Moshe. Moses gathers the Jewish people together. One second, is that what's happening this week? Everyone is in isolation. Everyone's scattered all over the world. Why is it called Vayakel, gathering together? What does that mean? Is it, are we gathering together? There's another word for this week's Torah portion. Pekude. The second Torah portion this week is called Pekude. Pekude means numbers. The number. Each individual. The significance of the individual. So on the one hand, you have a Torah portion called Vayakel, the first one. Gathering community, Jewish people, everyone together. And you have the other one, Pekude, which is about the individual, about each person and what they're about. There's something that, on a personal level, that um, I think has, um, that, that, that everyone can relate to, that I, that, that I personally am, am, am can share with you about myself, about what this means for you, by Yakel Pekude. We live in Los Angeles, and we live around such wonderful people, and we live with all the amenities that we have in this wonderful city. But we're always so busy. We're always running around. And we have many, many opportunities to pray together. And we have lots of prayers together, right? But do you ever really pray to God? Ever really speak to Him? You go through the motions because that's what you're supposed to do. You're going to a synagogue to pray. But this week I found myself praying to God. I found myself talking to God. There's someone I know that needs a refuel shlema. God. My children are at home and, you know, things happen. People touch things and who knows? And you find yourself, you're talking to God. Like you never spoke to him. As if it's like the first time you're talking to God. My children are home. I'm able to study with them. I'm able to hang out. I'm, I'm, I'm focusing on them. I'm speaking to them. As, as, if, as if, like, it's like a brand new thing. Yeah, we, we have children. Yeah, we have uh, there's friends who've, who reach out to me. And I'm sure friends have reached out to you. And you reach out to other people which you haven't spoken to in a long, long time. All of a sudden, individuals mean more to you than they did before. It wasn't like you have your friends and you have your community and you have your... All of a sudden, my wife and I are talking about our children and their future and what's going on in life and each other. ...has been turned off, has been, has been shut down. This is the gift of the 16th of Adar, the day of building the walls of Jerusalem, building the environment of connectedness. That's the significance of Vayakel Pekude. And this is especially connected to the extra Torah portion that we read, at least spiritually, this Shabbos, Parshas HaChodesh. Parshas HaChodesh is the Torah portion where God says that the first month of the year, our calendar should be in such a way that Passover falls out in the month of Nisan, in the springtime. Now, the Jewish calendar follows the moon. That's how our calendar works. We follow the moon. But we do something to align our calendar somewhat with the solar year, in order, for one reason, so Passover should fall out in the springtime. So we, add, we add months to the year, some years we add an extra month, we try that although a calendar is following the lunar year, which is shorter than the solar year, but we have to make sure that Passover is the springtime. Why is that so important, Passover being in the springtime? So Rashi tells us, well, God wanted to do something really special for us. What was that special thing he wanted to do for us? He wanted to take us out of Egypt at a very pleasant time. Spring. Spring is a great time. Spring is such a wonderful time. He wanted us to come out of Egypt in the spring. People say that as the climate gets warmer, 
then the virus will be uh, destroyed. People say, you know, that the psychologists say that everyone's in such a negative mood. When the sun will come out and it'll get warmer, then, like little orphan Annie, people will feel the sun comes out tomorrow and they'll, 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 they'll wake up and the market will wake up and everyone will, be, will feel great. But what's so significant about what God, God says? I'm taking you guys out of Egypt. Let's replace the word Egypt for a second with the word Auschwitz. I'm taking you out of Auschwitz in the springtime because it's a wonderful month. When the inmates and the Jews in Auschwitz left in January, do you think they were upset because it was January? They wanted to get out of Auschwitz. Who cares if it's January or February or March or April or spring or summer? We want to get out. Why did God take us out of Egypt in the springtime? Why is that so meaningful? That Our whole calendar revolves around this point. Our whole calendar is about Passover spring. What does that mean? How does spring happen? Spring is a product, really, of winter. It's ironic, but really, spring comes from winter. During the winter time, the trees, they, the, with, the leaves wither, the leaves change color, they finally go off the tree, but what's really going on is, instead of the trees um, dying, the trees getting, looks like everything's dead, but really what's going on is the trees are gathering strength, and they are growing internally, reserving their strength in a different way. And with all the growth that we see happening this spring is a product of the trees retaining their energy that they're preserving in the winter, and it comes forth in the beautiful bloom of the spring. This is what the Torah is telling us about the Passover. The Torah is telling us, like General MacArthur said, it's not that we're retreating, we're advancing, we're going forward in a different direction. We're able this time, ironically, to grow as people, to grow as Jews, to grow as Hasidim, to grow as fathers and mothers and husbands and wives, and as a community, in a way that we never, ever were granted before. We never had this opportunity before. That we know of, the Jewish people were under siege. Torah says that on the um, 10th of Tevet, the king of Nebuchadnezzar came and he caused all of Jerusalem to be closed. No one could go in, no one could go out. It was the beginning of the destruction of the temple. It was, it was a calamity on the surface. But the truth is that it wasn't only a calamity. It was something which was very positive about that day, the 10th day of Tevet. What was so positive? What was so wonderful? What was so great? Remember, the temple was destroyed because of senseless hatred. God wants something. The word in Hebrew, Eretz Yisrael, land of Israel, means desire to do what God wants. What does God want? God wants us all to be together like one family. The temple was destroyed because of senseless hatred. People didn't have that love for each other, didn't care about each other. So what did God do? God says, everyone gather together. Everyone be in one place. Everyone be stuck, so to speak. Like psychologists tell people, they very often in, in situations where families aren't getting along, you guys are stuck together, you're going to stay in that room, and you're going to figure things out. So in a similar way, we are all in this together, and we all connected to each other. We're, we're all in different places, but we're, for all the Jewish people, wherever they are, even in Gan Eden, even in the higher worlds, for everybody, it's Parsha Sachodesh, it's Vayakot Pekudeh. We're connected, and we're given opportunity this Shabbos and this time to connect with each other, with Avis Yisrael, with real love for each other, and oneness, and then you see that happening. 
I see this happening here. I see that Yankel called up Sprinzer and asked Sprinzer, I'm going to Costco and I have to buy something in Costco. Do you need something in Costco? Now, you know, in Costco, they have rules over there. You can't take more than one sugar. You can't take more than one paper towels. If you find a paper towel, you probably won't. If they announced it two minutes ago, it's already gone. But you cannot take more than one. And yet Yankel asking Schmincer, could I get you paper towels? Could I get you a bag of sugar? People are noticing, although it's Pekude, although there's individuals, we all feel like we're one family. You see it. I'm saying I see it here. I see an unbelievable sense of unity in our community. People are asking, how are you doing? What's going on? We're one family, and Parshas Bekude means that you don't just look at the Jewish people as just one family, but you think about the individuals, about your wife, about your husband, about your children, about your sons, about your daughters, about everyone that's there. And in a way, because everything else is turned off, you're able to finally think about what really matters, what's really going on, and what you, what you really, really do internally, deeply care about. This month, month of Adar, is month of Marabin Besimcha, month of incredible joy. And every day, we're supposed to increase in joy more and more. It's more joy today than yesterday. More joy tomorrow than today. Every day increasing more and more joy. The Talmud tells us that joy has incredible power. Joy breaks all boundaries. Joy can break every, every kind of... Uh, Thing that holds you down, joy can rise above that and, and break that and bring things t- together. I know what happens usually on Passover, on when families get together. They're very excited, but after five minutes, the fighting starts. That's what happens. Any family you know, I don't have to tell you, oh, Uncle Yankel is here, Aunt Zlata is here. Psh, wonderful. It's a little tense. People are feeling a tenseness, being at home all day, all night, it's tense. I'm painting a rosy picture and you're thinking about one second. Rabbi, that ain't happening in my house. My house, me and my wife, me and my husband, we can't look at each other anymore. Let him go, let him go to work somewhere. Let sh- and my kids, I can't stand them. They're- There's a beautiful parable. I shared this past Shabbos and Shul. I want to share it for the benefit of those who didn't hear it yet. And those who heard it already, I'm telling you, you can hear it again, especially if you've been locked down. Listen to this. Rav Nachman of Resul gives the following parable, incredible parable. A king discovered that all the wheat in the kingdom was contaminated. If you ate the wheat, you would go insane. So he asked his top minister, what do we do? Do we eat the wheat? We don't eat the wheat. The minister says, we have to eat the wheat because otherwise we'll die. So the king says, but we're going to go insane. So the minister says, this is what we're going to do. You write on, forehead, on your forehead, you're insane. All right, on my forehead, you're insane. If you know you're insane, you're only half insane. If you know you're meshuga, you're only half meshuga. What that means is, it's a little bit of an unusual, challenging time, and people are stepping on each other's toes sometimes naturally more often. Yes, those moments happen of, of closeness, of, of consideration, of, there's also a lot of other moments in between of tension. So the Torah says you have to know if things are meshuga, be aware of it. And therefore, what happens is you cut people slack. You say, okay, it's okay that this, that this person said this because they're going through something. It's okay. You give each other, you give your children, you give your spouse, you give people in your life. 
you, you, you let it you, you let it go because you know it's meshuga. It's supposed to be meshuga. On meshuga times, meshuga things happen. My friends, the whole world realizes now that we're at the entrance of the door of the coming of Mashiach. All the signs of the Torah point to our generation being the last generation of exile, the, four, the first generation of redemption. Chodesh, the Parsha Chodesh means that a Jew is connected to the month of redemption. The Talmud says, once God chose the Jewish people, He gave us this month of redemption. That means that we as Jews, we are connected to the future. We are citizens of the future era of Mashiach. That's who we are. We are citizens of the future. And therefore, there's nothing that can inhibit us, that can stop us from being who we're supposed to be. Yeah, it's challenging. Yeah, it's Meshuggah. But you cannot lower the bar. For other people, you could say, it's, it's Meshuggah, it's fine. But to yourself, you have to say, nothing can stop me from being who I'm supposed to be. Like the famous vart of the Kotzke Rebbe, he said, if I am I, because you are you, and you are you because I am I, then I'm not you, and you're not, I am not I, and you're not you. So on the one hand, the Torah is telling us, cut other people slack. On the other hand, the Torah is also telling us that don't ever lower the bar and say you can't be who you're supposed to be. Don't ever say that, don't, 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 don't say that untruth to yourself. It's Parsha Sachodesh. Parsha Sachodesh means that we as Jews, what is our month? What are we connected with? God's, as soon as God chose the Jewish people, He chose the month of redemption. What that means is, as a Jew, you have to know you are connected to the future. You're connected to Geula. You're connected to redemption. What you do is, not just one day we'll merit to see Mashiach. Not just that will happen very soon. But whatever we're doing now, we are people of that era. And therefore nothing would stop us from being who we're supposed to be. Even in the most trying conditions, we're able to be who we're supposed to be. And we're able to go beyond our nature. And moreover, this year, Parsha Chodesh falls out on the 25th day of Adar. 25th day of Adar, the Talmud says, is a day that God thought about creating the world. What does that mean, he thought about creating the world? What did he do? He thought about it, then he hired the contractors, and there was a discussion back and forth, and he couldn't figure it out. Six months later is date of creation. What's the meaning of God thinking about creation? Speech is about transmitting to someone who is other, who is outside of you. Thought is about how things are inside. There is a world that feels that it's separate, that's other, it's not godly. That's the world from the perspective of speech. The way God spoke the world into being. But then there's a deeper reality, a higher reality, a truer reality. And that is God's thought. The world really isn't a separate entity. Just like our thoughts are one with us, the idea of the 25th day of Adar is God's thought for creation means the inner energy of creation, the reality of creation. Our creation is one with God. That's what the true meaning of the world is. As the Gemara says, when you say Shema Yisrael, you say Hashem Echot, you're supposed to think, not just that there's one God, there's one superpower, but there's seven heavens and the four directions, and everything that's going on, it's all part of His oneness. There's nothing outside of Him. So this perspective of the God's oneness and the world's oneness with God is the meaning of the 25th day of Adar. 25th day of Adar is the day that God thought about creation. What that means is the 25th day of Adar is a day that represents, that expresses how one with God. So that day 
God says, is the first day of your calendar. That's the center of your gravity. That's who you are. You want to know how to understand things, how to figure things out, how to define things, where do things begin, where do things end? Start off with 25th day of Adar. What does the Torah say? What does God say? So you could look at this week, a lot of people have to become, for their families, the rabbis and the rabbitsons, and they're not able to come to the synagogue to uh, hear the rabbi speak and to hear the chazan uh, lead the services and to have the gabai do set up the alias. This week, Yankel's the chazan and Sprint says the gabai and the children are the, the congregants. And so I want to give you some tools to be able to do this. You're going home this week, you're setting up your Shabbos, you're the rabbi, you're the chazan, you're the gabai. And how do you do that? The first thing is, I'm not here by myself. I trust in Hashem. There's a reason this is happening. This is meaningful. I have to do something over here. I have something to accomplish here that only I could accomplish. Something that only I could do. This whole Torah portion that we're heading to this week, Vayakal Pekudei, the whole entire Torah portion, it's a lot, a lot of verses. It's all repetition. I could sum up the whole thing in one sentence. In one sentence, I could sum up the entire double portion of Yaakov Pekudei. The whole thing. What's the whole thing? Earlier on, we read about how God commanded Moses that the, to tell the Jewish people to build the tabernacle. This week, we read, they actually built it. But instead of saying they actually built it, the Torah says they built this detail. And it says exactly what that detail is. What God told Moses. And it's very, very long. It could have just said, they did it. God told Moses a few weeks ago what they should do. And this week, they did it. Tonight, actually, the 23rd day of Adar is the day they actually went to build the tabernacle. Tonight's the night, 23rd day of Adar. Last night, actually, 23rd day of Adar is the day we built the tabernacle. So the whole Torah portion could have just been summed up, and they did it. Why is the Torah going to all these details again? And they built the menorah, they built the altar, they built, you know, and it tells us what the altar looked like, and how the menorah looked like. Why just say they did it? Why is it the whole entire thing all over again? The Torah is very precise. With every letter, with every word, every crown of every letter, Rabbi Akiva was able to figure out thousands of laws from the crowns of the letters. They were so economic with words. What's the point of this whole hundreds and hundreds of verses? They did this, they did this, they did this, they did that. What does that mean? There's one other Torah portion we have this kind of repetition, where the Torah talks about the gifts that each tribe gave to uh, the tabernacle, to God, in honor of the inauguration of the tabernacle. And the Talmud says, although they gave exactly the same thing, the Torah repeats that same thing over and over again, they gave exactly the same thing. The Torah repeats it, why? Because although they gave, they gave the same thing, they meant something else. So the, the prince of the tribe of Reuven, he brought a gift, the prince of the tribe of Simon brought a gift, they brought the same gift, and the Torah repeats again that each one brought the same exact gift, why? Because they had something else in mind. In a similar way, there's a marked difference between Pasha's Truma, where we read about the commandment of God to Moses and the way it actually happened. How did, what's the difference? When God spoke to Moses and he says, build a menorah, poof, there was a menorah in heaven, a spiritual menorah. When God told Moses, bring, build an altar, poof, there was a spiritual altar for God and Moses in heaven. This week, it's not about the spiritual altar. This week, there's actually a physical menorah that was actually built. It's a different kind of thing. It was built by the Jewish people, by Tom, Dick, and Harry, here in this physical world. And yet, which one did God like better? The one that he had in heaven with Moses, the spiritual one? We had Moses is in eating or drinking, is in a higher spiritual elevated state. Did he like that one? Or did he like the one that we made, the Tom, Dick, and Harry one? So the Torah says, 
God desired the one that we made, the one that Yankel made and Shmerel made. I wish there was some uh, movie about Parshas Vyakel. Parshas Vyakel is an incredible Parsha. Imagine, Shmerel goes with his boards and he's bringing them to the temple. And Yankel is carrying his wool. And Leah is bringing, some, is bringing her jewelry, her mirrors to the temple. And everyone's bringing what they have to build the temple for God. Imagine how they felt. They're going to build the temple for God. Now, think about it. In the scheme of things, the temple that they're building with their little, little things in their house, they're coming to build a temple, it's nothing, it's garnish, it's zero. How can you compare that to the spiritual temple that God and Moses were in before? You can't compare it, it's much lower. And yet God says, I like this one. Why do I like this one? Because there's one ingredient that this one has that the other one doesn't. What does it have? Torah uses two words. Nediv leif. What's nediv leif mean? Nediv leif means they did it with a Jewish Hasidic warmth. They put their hearts into it. They went into their house. They took out their silver and their gold and their copper. And they built a place for God with a, with a Jewish warmth. What this means is, as Rebbe says, it's hard to know, people like us, regular people, what God wants us to do. It's hard to know. That's what Rebbe says. It's hard to know. You cannot really, you know, you feel like, does God want this? Does God want that? Especially now when things are changing every day. What does God want me to do? Can I really cause that God will rest in what I'm doing? Can I really make a difference? Can I really make a connection? So there's one ingredient you have to have in order to make that connection. So that what you're doing is going to be attuned exactly to what God wants you to do. What's that ingredient? What do you got to do? Torah says the one ingredient you have to have is Nediv Leif. Nediv Leif means you do something with the Hasidic Jewish warmth of your heart. You put your heart and soul into it. Then God promises you, I will rest in the work of your hands. I will be there. What you're doing, although it's in exile, although it's confusing, although there's a darkness in the world, you go in your corner of the world, in your address, and you put your heart into what you're doing, Hashem promises you, this is going to be a vessel. It's going to be a place for Hashem. So you're going to go into your house, and you're going to be the chazan, you're going to be the rabbi, you're going to be the gabbai, you're going to be the rabbitson. You know how you're going to do it? It's just you have one ingredient. Only the only ingredient you need to know. Everything else is going to come into place. You could have this technique and that technique and this story. That's not what it's about. What you need to say to yourself is, this is my home, and I'm building a mishkan for God, and I want to build this the way Hashem wants it to be. I want to do this for God the right way. When you give away with a warmth, then it will automatically come out, behidr, beautifully, the way God wants us to do it. That's, that, that's the only thing that makes a place for God. Nediv Leiv, a Jewish Hasidic warmth. So may Hashem help us all coming to the Shabbos, is not only Parshat Chodesh, not only is it Vayakal Pekudeh, this is also Shabbos Chazak. Chazak means the Shabbos of strength. So this is a Shabbos that we bless, even if you're home this Shabbos, you should, you should still bless the month, and yes, uh, say the words that Misha Asen Isim, can't say it in Shul, say it at home, and talk to God and ask Hashem to give you a good month, give the Jewish people a good month, and this is Realize, this Shabbos is a Shabbos of strength. There has never been a Shabbos like this Shabbos in history. That the Jewish people, who are all doing all kinds of things all over the world, and they're so busy, Shabbos included, and yet this Shabbos, everybody's at home. Everybody's connected. This is a Shabbos where we're all in the walls of Jerusalem. We're all in the aura of connectedness to God, connectedness to each other. May Hashem help. That Hashem should bless us all as one with Avis Yisrael, with true love and unity. And the truth is that all the signs are there. We see Mashiach is coming. 
And really, one good thought, one good word, one good action could tip the scale. As long as we have Nidiv Leib, we put our heart into it, we want to make this a place for Hashem, we want to do what Hashem wants us to do, then God will guide us to figure out the right thing to do, the right thing to do for your children, the right thing to do for your spouse, the right thing to do for your community. It's one, one ingredient, Nidiv Leib. L'chaim, l'chaim, have a wonderful Shabbos. Let's bring wherever we are together. Let's say l'chaim together wherever we are. And uh, we're all in the same place. We're all on the walls of Jerusalem. L'chaim, good Shabbos.